Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Don Marsh. International and local immigration issues on our agenda today. We'll begin with the big picture. A small delegation of German scholars is in St. Louis to compare notes with American counterparts on incorporating immigrants and refugees into their communities. We have one of those scholars with us in studio. Professor Adriana Udani is assistant professor in the political science department at the University of Missouri-St. Louis. His research has focused on African immigrants. Professor Florian Sichling is an assistant professor in Umsel School of Social Work. He studies the Bosnian community here. Jörg Plerger is a senior researcher at ILS, a development and research institute in Dortmund, Germany. Germany has had its own issues with the influx of immigrants. Gentlemen, thanks so much for being with us. Great to have you. Jörg, Thank you for having us. Welcome to St. Louis. Thank you very much, Tom. Adriana, let me begin with you. Um, in view of current national policies, how successful are we today in incorporating immigrants and refugees into our communities? It's a good question. Um, <clears throat> I would say that there's two sides or maybe two stories. One, sto- one story would say that um, the picture of America is where immigrants see an America that provides opportunity and mobility. And so that story would say that we're very successful. Um, but there's another story in the sense that um, others would argue that when immigrants look at St. Louis or uh, the United States broadly, uh, that they see rather a ceiling. Uh, just sort of a cap that um, caps what kind of jobs they have, what, how much money they can make, where they can live, um, what kind of uh, schools they can go to. So uh, based on how well we're doing, I mean, it seems like overwhelming research would suggest that it depends on the skills, education, and also um, the the sort of privileged identities that immigrants bring with them to the United States based on how similar they look like to the, the, the receiving context will typically depend and structure how incorporated they become in, in a community. I guess if we look to the Bosnian community here, we see a pretty good example of how well people can uh, assimilate. Florian? Um, that's true. Um, I, I'm fairly new to St. Louis myself. I just um, I moved here three years ago and uh, from Chicago. I'm actually from Germany. Um, and um, when I came here, people were saying, we, d- we don't have a lot of immigrants, uh, but we have the Bosnians. And so I got really interested in them, um, particularly since they, they are typically described as, as an immigrant success story. And um, as I was digging deeper into this, there's, there's, a, there's a fair amount of research, um, especially Ben Moore at Fontbonne University and Eilina Karamej here at SLU have done a lot of work on on health and oral histories. Um, but there's not a lot of um, uh, insight into how the second generation is doing, the children um, of the first generation who were born in St. Louis and are actually growing up here. And so part of the research um, focus of of our project is on the experience of the second generation and sort of the decisions that they make um, as they sort of, you know, graduate from high school and then move on with their careers. Mm -hmm. I think one of the things that's really interesting about the Bosnians is that um, a lot of them actually came from Germany. And I remember them when I was younger, you know, in, in the refugee shelters down the street. And at some point, they just disappeared. And then, you know, 15 years, I'm, I'm like, later, I'm catching up with them in St. Louis. Um, and it's, uh, mm. and a lot of them are really positive about their experience in Germany. And they say that, 
you know, the ability to have worked and sort of saved up some money before they came to the U.S. actually really helped them with their initial start here. Mm -hmm. Well, let's turn to our German guest here and find out how well things are going in Dortmund. Uh, Jörg Plöger, tell us how things are going in Dortmund at the present time. You have a lot of refugees and immigrants there. Yes, we have, Don. Um, There are... You know, this has been all the global news. Um, Germany has received large uh, numbers of migrants, of refugees, of how we call them asylum seekers, Mm -hmm. because that's technically who they become. Um, The city of Dortmund, which is like St. Louis, an old industrial, larger city, has also received substantial numbers. Um, I think the number was about 8,000 refugees that came um, and had to be housed and integrated into local society. So it's quite a, it puts quite a lot of pressure on uh, local services, and particularly at the beginning in finding adequate housing. And then, uh, second after that, the um, the uh, the pressure on like things like integration, like how to get these people into the labor market, language courses, etc. And um, of course, um, Germany has received this massive influx of migration um, recently, but also maybe in difference to the U.S., um, it has only recently been coming recognizing itself as a migrant uh, society, which uh, you know it, it, it was. We are sort of like lacking a few decades behind. And from what we've been reading here, it's my impression that acceptance of the refugees has not been overwhelmingly positive in Germany. There have been different, um, let's say, um, the, the, the different phases of this whole thing. At the beginning, um, the uh, reception was overwhelmingly welcoming. Um, it was there was crisis going on in countries in the Middle East, particularly. Um, so uh, we, as a society who are rich and with a booming economy, can help those. But as numbers grew and uh, the pressure on um, on the social systems was also increasing, the media and and public and polit- political response to it has you know has shifted towards um, something needs to be done. So deals were struck with countries like Turkey to um, to basically make an end to that informalized Balkan route that. Uh, through former Yugoslavia that brought lots of those migrant movements to Germany. And probably also the overall discourse in the society has shifted um, and has become more ambiguous. And there's still welcoming people, so there's lots of welcoming uh, things going on. But there's also the rise of uh, right-wing political parties, which are directly related to that issue. Because because of the public uh, concerns about immigration. Right. That's what, yeah. Yeah. Adriana, what can what can we teach Germany, or is it should it be the other way around? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what we're trying to work through in this uh, really interesting research partnership. Is what are the similarities and what are the lessons learned? I mean, I think if anything, we could learn from each other and and really the central role uh, that neighborhoods and place plays in trying to facilitate immigrant incorporation. And so, as Jorg sort of talk about it. Immigrants and, and their advocates usually coalesce uh, around these threats or these crises. Um, after the the 2016 uh, election, the surprising outcome, uh, you know, I think a lot of the immigrant advocates here in St. Louis, um, the question became one of an implementation, right? Mm-hmm. So 
what's going to happen? How soon do we have until some of this, this, these punitive immigration reforms ideas become a reality? And so props to immigrant advocates here like the Micro Project, Mira. Um, they really reached out to try to figure out um, – you know, what are the rights of migrant communities here? Um, just expressing calls for solidarity. And I think the nonprofit and charitable organizations are are tr- critical um, in cities like St. Louis, uh, in our region, to make sure that they are these mediating institutions between marginalized groups and, and areas where the government is sort of lacking. And mm-hmm. so... Um, that's sort of what, where I think we could um, sort of provide as a as a as a platform to really look at how Germany, where where the state is, has a stronger presence and a stronger visibility in creating a safety net, um, and the extent to which um, you know neighborhoods sort of shape the immigrant or migrant experience in Germany. So I, I mean, I think we have something to learn from Germany in the sense that if you look at St. Louis, a lot of the territory that of immigrant service provision is in the jurisdictions of nonprofits and churches, right? Mm-hmm. And so across yeah. our many municipalities, there's few governments that actually have institutionalized government programs with some exceptions. And so um, that's something that's interesting. It has a long history of, of shaping. And so um, the nonprofits and, and, and churches here have, a, have an elevated role. But it sounds like the churches in, in uh, Germany also have that sort of pivotal role as well. Mm-hmm. Florian, you, you have seen this from two sides uh, in I Germany know. and here. What are you seeing and, and what uh, sense do you have as to what works and doesn't work? So there, there, there are two things. Um, I, I want to make a distinction between uh, immigrants as a, as a group um, and refugees, sure. which are sometimes lumped together. But I think there's a critical difference because refugees come here with a different status. They, have, um, they tend to have a work permit when they, when they arrive, and they have a clear path to citizenship, which is mm-hmm. not the case for a lot of other immigrant groups. Well, refugees are fleeing some right. sort of a problem right. that, that they're leaving right. behind. Yeah. And it, it brings me to the second point because there's also a lot of similarities between the uh, the United States and, and Germany, because um, a lot of the times institutions that that deal with refugee resettlement in particular are charged with resolving um, politically uh, contradicting messages about why why the purpose of immigration. Right? There's on the one hand this humanitarian motive of of helping people that are fleeing persecution, and then there is a strong economic incentive to bring in highly skilled people that sort of fuel a local economy. And I, I've heard both of those in the current debates mm-hmm. in Germany and in, in St. Louis. Um, those are not the same thing. And those are not the same kind of people. And But in, in the absence of sort of a co- comprehensive idea about what it is that immigration is supposed to do and what it's supposed to look like, institutions like, you know, the Interna- International Institute that does great work, but also a lot of the, the government agencies in Germany are then charged with having to resolve that contradiction in the way in which they serve immigrants. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of the times, that's, um, that's an impossible task. Mm-hmm. But I would think it, uh, it, it, it's probably better to have a state involvement as opposed to depending on nonprofits simply because of the resources uh, of the state. Do you think that's true, Jörg? 
my personal opinion would be yes, um, but I also know how the situation is in the U.S., so this is a little disclaimer here. Um, of course, if there is a, a pronounced um, state, if the state has lots of powers and is also the resources to um, deal with these larger issues, there can be a much more strategic strategic response to um, pressures uh, on, on, on the system. And also the um, overall response is equal in each place. It doesn't depend on whether a place has a strong concentration of institutions that care for these groups uh, because there may be other places where the institutional networks are less pronounced and uh, they would then fall off the map. But this is maybe less the case in Germany where the state is, let's say, more or less everywhere and then um, brings in um, uh, a more coherent approach. On the other hand, um, um, the reason why, uh, because we don't have such a pronounced nonprofit sector, means also that sometimes um, the organizations can be less close to the needs and specific purposes of of an immigrant uh, community. So there's a, uh, probably a little bit more distance there than uh, in many of the U.S. cases. So it's a little bit. Um, both seeing both sides of the story here. And if I could sort of respond, I, in some of my own work, um, I'm a co-principal investigator of a national Latino uh, study uh, during uh, and after, after and, and before the 2016 election. And so uh, we, we can use Trump's election as a natural experiment. And, and the, the results clearly show that um, dark-skinned Latino males uh, who live in more punitive states um, worried about uh, immigration enforcement affecting their lives on an everyday basis. And so they were more likely to carry their papers to prove their legal presence. They were more likely to think that um, law enforcement agents were going to stop and question them. And so what also is it shows sort of emphasizes the role of the local community is um, those the people who were who felt that immigration enforcement was sort of more central in their lives also have had a higher rate of utilizing these local community programs were likely to go to church and and, and seek churches as, as a form of refuge and so mm-hmm. you know they were acted as these places that provided safety and and protection from you know sort of a, a national crises yeah. we we have one local church uh, i think it's in maplewood uh, basically housing uh, I, uh, someone who is seeking a sanctuary and receiving it at this particular church. It's the only case I know of locally with, where that's going on. That's right. Yeah. We have to take a break. We'll do that now and come back and continue our conversation on incorporating immigrants and refugees into our communities. We'll do that in just a moment. Stay with us. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Welcome back as we continue our discussion on incorporating immigrants and refugees into our communities. Uh, my guests in studio are Professors Florian Sichling and Adriana Udani from the University of Missouri-St. Louis, and to Jörg Plöger visiting from Dortmund, Germany. Jörg, let me come back to you with regard to this distinction that Florian made with, about refugees and, and immigrants. How is that dealt with uh, in your country and in Dortmund? Are they treated separately or differently? That same distinction is, uh, I can make the same case for Germany as well. Um, We had migration 
uh, faces in Germany over uh, recent decades. The country has been become much more diverse than it was in the past, but also that um, large influx of refugees has been uh, on top of that basically. So and it's a, it's a different set. It's a different migration group became because it came out of for different reason motivations because there was political warfare in their countries and they were fleeing violence maybe. Uh, while the migrants, as Florian has pointed out rightly, they come for different reasons. They come because they are seeking work, because they come for family reunification and re receive a visa for that. Um, they come out of their own volition. They um, uh, have different access to the institutions of the society and the labor market, and they are likely to be much more integrated into the society. So I completely would subscribe to that notion of Florian as well that uh, it's not easy to talk about these two groups in the same way. And uh, there's also a bias which is going on in Germany, and this has been referred to already, that um, increasingly political um, migration policy is sort of um, evolving a bias towards skilled and unskilled migrants, uh, while the skilled migrants find it much more easier than in the past to come into the country. The reasons behind this are obviously economic, uh, and also there's a demographic change going on in Germany. So there is an, uh, a high will of political uh, pol policymakers to bring in more people who are skilled to fill in specific jobs in the knowledge economy, while for low-skilled, um, the barriers are higher now. So it's it's less um, it's less easy to to come. Uh, uh, into the country. What is the employment situation like in Germany right now? It's relatively good. Um, Germany has had an economic uh, growth phase for, the, for, for a long period, actually, yeah. now. So um, we, have, we are in this uh, quite strange situation of having um, uh, an economic boom phase related to a demographic decline of the uh, of the population. Yeah. So there were discussions before the refugee influx already about bringing in more higher skilled migrants because the labor market uh, was in, uh, was needing them. And this is also what in the beginning when refugees came was sort of the discourse driving this whole thing when uh, Chancellor Merkel uh, said uh, you're welcome to uh, these groups that there was, was an economic rationale behind this. So maybe we find a lot of high-skilled uh, people among those refugees who can actually fill our labor demands and then can do apprenticeships and they can fill specific jobs like uh, engineers or IT professionals on the health and care sector where um, a skill shortage was already visible. I lived in Germany for a period of years in the 1960s going back and at that particular time, um, unemployment was zero, and they had the, the guest workers mostly from Turkey, and they were welcomed very enthusiastically. I, I, I gather it's a little less enthusiastic now. That, that's, that's probably the case. Um, the guest workers, uh, that's another distinction. They came on a um, – technically, they came on a temporary basis. Most of them then stayed on, but they were supposed not to stay on, which is uh, quite, a, quite a distinction here. The uh, unemployment levels are higher, but uh, compared to maybe 10 years ago, they are, again, they have decreased. So we have higher unemployment uh, on average than in the U.S. The counting is also different statistically. Mm, so there's always a, a, a proportion of the population who is not in the labor market and seeking employment, maybe not finding it. Um, 
that's uh, that's an that's an issue that Germany has been dealing with uh, for decades now. Um, yeah, the reception context has changed. That's true, but also the society has changed. Mm-hmm. So uh, there there is more openness towards migration on one hand of the society, and there's uh, there's less openness on the other hand. So it's, it's, it's a social, you know, it's a confrontation issue. Adriano, what about the that that part of the uh, immigration situation here in this country? Jobs and the jobs that that, that uh, immigrants have and 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 can't get. Sure. I, I mean, I, I think if there there is uh, there are institutional, there are economic forces that bias um, this rush to get H one B visa holders, sort of the the, the a group of immigrants that bring in a high amount of education, and, and, and it's a competition. I mean, if you interview employers and you interview governments, I mean, there, it's a competition to get these limited visas so that you secure um, a um, a more skilled resource. However, what I find, though, is in states that do ha- try to attract um, a more, quote-unquote, high-skilled um, labor market that has a feedback effect in the sense that they're also more likely to adopt more restrictive programs mm-hmm. to sort of um, put more requirements mm-hmm. that dissuade lower skilled immigrants in you know food services, um, uh, uh, manufacturing sort of service jobs, uh, so that they don't set, resettle in those states. And so, I mean, I think in it, it it's it, it they both reinforce one another. These these separate employment uh, channels aren't sort of independent and existing in space. They're, they're sort of biased towards, you know, these, this new age, this sort of new economy that I think Dortmund and also St. Louis City are trying to redefine themselves, which I thought was an interesting mm-hmm. similarity that we found during our, our time over the weekend. That's right. I, I, I want to I say something about jobs because I think that that is one of the <clears throat> um, – major changes that have happened in the past decade. So when people in this country talk about sort of like this, the, the turn of the century immigrants from, from Europe and that it, it's always been an, an immigrant society, I think they, they, um, they entered a very different context. The U.S. is not the same as it was before. And one of the things that's changed is the employment structure um, that now consists not of manufacturing but of a highly segmented service sector. So a lot of the processes that the previous waves of generations have uh, – of immigrants have gone through over long periods of time now have to happen within one generation. And the deciding factor is education, like whether they're able to actually jump into better paid and and higher prestige sort of um, occupations. That's that's an issue for homegrown population too for a large yes. part of it, no question about it. Uh, our time is winding down, but I do want to get a call in from Glenda who's calling from O'Fallon, Illinois. I think uh, she has a question perhaps for our German guest. Glenda, you're on the air. Go ahead. Hi. Thank you so much. Um, my question, um, kind of one of the parts of my question related to the aging population, and you guys kind of covered that, so I appreciate that. Um, the second part was it seems like um, Germany should be um, a leader in this field due to the late 80s, early 90s experience of reintegrating Germany, um, East and West Germany together. And I just was wondering if your um, guest could speak to um, that experience for the, the country and how that is helping or hurting or, or, or um, leading them in, in what they're dealing with today. Thanks. I'll take my uh, time off here. Thanks for the question. Um, 
Reunification uh, was a unique moment in uh, time for Germany. Um, it's uh, one of the very few instances in time when uh, a country was reunified. And basically what happened is that the former socialist East Germany was integrated into the Western uh, German um, context. So it wasn't a fusion of two systems. It was sucked into another system. And this has caused problems. Um, it has caused structural problems because much of the uh, employment base uh, disappeared in former Eastern Germany. It's also had, um, um, it also had political problems that, that caused this. Um, immigration to the two parts of Germany have been very, very different because Eastern Germany had hardly any immigration before the reunification, only some contract worker from uh, former socialist countries, but not mm -hmm. in great numbers. While Western Germany, at least the industrial cities, were already having a large share of, uh, of migration. So there was a, a specific experience. And this also ended up in different uh, political and on-the-street sort of reactions to immigration. While in Western Germany is becoming accepted that a migration society is in formation, Eastern Germany had instances of, uh, of racist violence against uh, immigrants in the, in the early 90s. And um, also, I think you can track this down until today in terms of the response to uh, refugee migration, which has been different. I'm not saying these are two. This, this is definitely not a black and white picture that I want to draw here because um, it's a much more nuanced thing. But to pin it down... Here, I think also um, you can track this whole path of migration down until today, um, where um, the reaction to migration and refugees has been different in both in these two parts of the city. And it's also ending up in politically in uh, new parties that are emerging on the right of the political spectrum and are receiving substantial votes in more disadvantaged areas in Germany. Long-term political impact from what's going on here today, no question about it. Our time is winding down, and I want to—we have a caller, Tom. Tom, I'm going to ask you to wait. I think what you want to talk about will be more applicable in our next segment. So please stay with us on the line. But I'll ask each of you, starting with you, Florian, what what do you expect or think could come of the kind of a conference or gathering or exchange of ideas that you're having here uh, today with our friends from Germany? So I think the biggest value of um, <clears throat> going abroad or somewhere else is is always that you learn a different perspective on what you have back home, and I hope that that that's what's going to happen in this with this exchange that's going on. Adriana, how about you? Yeah, I, I, again, I think the role of uh, neighborhood and institutions, um, in the sense that immigrants' the research tends to show sort of follow these this sort of segmented assimilation path. But it, it would be interesting to see how local institutions and neighborhoods, whether they do or do not, sort of facilitate um, that pathway to feeling included in, in areas and, and, and feeling that they can make decisions um, with sort of with, with sort of full information and, and, and feel welcome. Will a report or something come of it that will be distributed to people who might be able to influence the situation? Absolutely. I, I mean, I think that's sort of what uh, we concluded uh, before we met with you was um, sort of the plan for dissemination. We'd be happy to share our the lessons learned and um, also any sort of uh, production that comes comes forth. Jörg, we'll give you the last word. What do you uh, think might come of uh, this gathering? 
First of all, I agree with uh, what my colleagues have already said, but maybe one more angle, which I'm particularly interested in as an urban uh, uh, urban scholar or um, geography um, geographer, is that I'm particularly interested also in the uh, spatial setting of older industrial larger cities like St. Louis and Dortmund and other places uh, in, in the world, which are particular reception context for migration and which are particular context, context where neighborhood development is different than to the high growth cities that we all know in our countries as well. So there's a particular set of problems being dealt with and I think uh, this context needs more study as well. And more discussion. I want to thank you all so much for being with us and being part of this discussion here today. Thanks to immigration specialists, Professors Florian Sischling and Adriano Udani from the University of Missouri-St. Louis, and Jörg Pleger, visiting from Dortmund, Germany. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU.